പോളണ്ടിൽ എന്ത് സംഭവിച്ചു പോളണ്ടിനെ പറ്റി നീ ഒരക്ഷരം വേണ്ടരുത് of episodes we are going to be talking about nepotism but um i'm gonna uh, defer to catherine's preferred term which is power structures uh the families that are involved in the malayalam film industry and you know that when we talk about families we're not talking about the kind of extended family networks that are in malayalam cinema you know the fact that shobana and vineet and parvati jayaram are all cousins but Uh, and you know the Travancore sisters are, are are some of their aunts and we're talking about people whose dad or mom was in the industry and then they came to the industry and i think was it you who shared a tweet the other day from somebody who said if your parents in your wikipedia bio are blue links then you're not self-made <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's like it's like those are the people we're talking about although it's quite interesting when you start i mean one of the things that did fascinate me when i got into indian cinema generally was how many sort of family groupings and extended family groupings there are and it's it's quite funny to me because having lived in france for a number of years the french industry is a little bit like that too and they get very angsty about sometimes about how their film is a family business and it's not like that anywhere in the world and i'm like oh yes it is <laughs> and my explanation for it in on one hand is sheer size of an industry like if you're a smaller industry france you know thinks of film very i mean you know you have khan you have the the lumiere brothers film and cinema for france is like a core value industry cultural thing so it 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 is very important and it gets it gains importance because they export a lot so now i'm rambling off on a thread <laughs> already no i think it is interesting to think about how industries view their nepotism or power structures or industry families you know with bollywood they're so out and out proud about it and it's like you know call uh, like we can yell at karan johar as much as we want about nepo kids but like that's still like who he's going to be promoting and um in telugu it's so wrapped up in political power um the multi-generational cinema families like if you're building a career in film you are in some ways expected to like use that to to support your family's political aspirations as well in malayalam it it's such a small industry so you know we haven't had a lot of movie stars who became politicians and we we this is maybe the first generation where we're thinking of where people are coming back to like are like actually using their family's past power to uh build a build an image um for the next generation and part of the reason i don't think this uh, it has happened before is because it wasn't a lucrative industry it it was an industry where you you go to like lose money if you are a producer um you know you you it was like a typical starving artist uh setup 
And that's why, <laughs> to the person, all these guys seem to have engineering degrees. Uh, because, you know, I've, I've heard Mamuti say this about um, him and Srinivasan insisting their kids get engineering degrees because they wanted them to have a job that wasn't in the arts. Um, and I, I think it also kind of fits in the image we have of them as fathers that like they're very like practical like distant not distant but like they're kind of like hands-offish about their uh, son's careers and that like they're like oh you're doing good in this field oh, okay great I didn't expect you to but I'm glad you are <laughs> Well, and one of the reasons I tend to harp on power structures is simply because of the fact that, particularly with Bollywood, people are constantly call, going calling out nepotism, nepotism. I mean, nepotism in and of itself is not a negative term, but it has become a very negative way to speak about having certain connections, not only family connections, you know, family connections, friends connections, school connections, other kinds of connections. And I mean, let's face it, in a lot of ways in life, we all get by on connections. And it's not inherently a bad thing until it becomes a problem. <laughs> so that's why I kind of harp on on power structures a little more as a, as a term, because it, it tends to be a little more neutral. And then that gives us the opportunity to sort of look at both sides. Is it a positive thing? Is it a ne when is it positive? When is it negative? Um, certainly, I think in sort of the worst cases in Bollywood, it's been a negative simply because there are some people who get a chance because of who their parents are. And they get many, 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 many chances to prove themselves and they don't ever seem to be doing it. And I don't think we see very much of that in the Malayalam industry. Yeah, um, at least we haven't seen too much of it yet. I will say one one of the things that is very obvious to me as uh, somebody who is from the caste-based communities that kind of dominate Malayalam cinema is that it's very easy to, to have connections in the industry if you are from certain castes. And at least for me, like, you know, I, I my family is not a film family or anything like that, you know, but like we know uncles, we know relatives, we know people who we can get access to if we wanted to, who could hook us up to these networks. Um, and I've heard um, Ranveer Singh say this is like, if you are a um, middle class or upper middle class kid in in Bandra, you're you, you know like he was, you're gonna have connections to the industry. If you're from Bombay, like you're gonna have connections to the industry. And but I think the difference is in Bombay, even you know, if Ranveer Singh is related to Anil Kapoor um, through his wife, but the, the you know it's. If you're from Bombay and you're from an upper middle class family, there is no assurance that anybody will launch you in a movie the way that somebody's son will get launched, you know? And as opposed to, I think in Malayalam cinema, if you can keep hustling and you can keep uh, inserting yourself into those social networks, there's a chance you can you can actually make it the way, you know, Niven did or... or uh, you know, I, Nivin is the f uh, first person I can think of who's come out of, like, quote-unquote nowhere without, like, a connection in this generation. But, you know, when we think, and Tovina Thomas, but Tovino and Nivin are also, like, distant cousins. I think they're, like, second or third cousins. So, 
uh, you know, you end up in some ways, most of these guys have some sort of connection, but, you know, certainly Tovino and Niven came out of nowhere compared to Fahad or Prithiraj or Tulkar. And now um, Roshan Matthew is like an upcoming actor um, that a lot of people are saying, you know, he, he's coming out of quote unquote, like nowhere too. Um, and I think, I think Malayalam cinema can be proud of like still picking out these talents that are, that don't have uh, parental connections. Well, and one of the articles I think I shared in our in our um, notes was about this concept that Malignum Cinema was more democratic in that sense, in that there were more, there are more opportunities for people to you know come out of nowhere than than there are in other industries. And the thing is, you know, like most people who who can afford to like wait and and uh, you know come uh, you know struggle for a bit, like both I think Tavino and came from fairly well-off families, at least Tovino's family is definitely well-off, and I think Niven's parents worked abroad for many years, so, um, so you know, you, you, you need some sort of amount of family wealth to rely on, you, you, you know, if you're, if you're from a lower-class, working-class background, you don't have the resources to just keep struggling. Um, you probably have other, you know, uh, lower Maslow's hierarchy of needs things that you're working towards. Um, so th- that's that's something, you know, that is part of the power structure. You're still getting kids from pretty well-off families who can afford that kind of support from their families. I know I heard it in, uh, even for AD jobs, in assistant director jobs in Mumbai, I've heard uh, production say, so do you have any family support before they took on an AD? Because this is the time to tap into it because we're not going to pay you enough um, for you to support yourself. So those are some fundamental kind of differences already. I mean, some of the same things happening in the Malayalam industry as in other industries. Some differences. Some differences. But the other thing that strikes me as an outsider is, again, I mentioned it earlier, in in Bollywood, some of these star kids seem to get endless numbers of chances. And I think we don't see that necessarily in the Malayalam industry. And I will say, you know, especially when uh, when some of the, this gen- this first uh, series of uh, dark kids slash um, talent were coming up, they were coming up in a time in which like the the culture and the industry was very against kids from those families. Like they, they really didn't want them in there because they were like, who are these, you know, especially because these guys started when they were teens, they weren't taken seriously at all um, as, as performers, as talents. Um, and they really had to prove themselves to the industry and society um, compared to, you know, maybe people who uh, who are coming out, who came out later, like Dilker, um, who was beloved instantly. And, you know, uh, we haven't had too many, many instances of like star kids who debut and like they're liked instantly by the audience. Well, and let's let's organize what we're going to be talking about today, which is essentially, as you mentioned, this this pre-new gen generation so in particular Prithviraj Kanchakoboban and Vinit Srinivasan and when I was going through some of their early I, I'm at a, I'm at a real disadvantage here because I came into Malayalam cinema around 2010 when a lot of things were shifting 
at the time when I could get access to DVDs with subtitles, it was mostly the late 90s to mid 2000s period, which everybody, you know, went up, threw their hands up in horror, like, do not watch any of these films. But here you have three guys debuting in this very period, and with some resistance to having star kids. Is, is it just star kids in general, or these three particular star kids? I think, you know, there's a, uh, Mayalis have this attitude of Avani Jadayana. And, and Jada is like this, is, is this word that means arrogance, unwarranted arrogance, pride, and like, like stand, standoffishness, like coldness. Um, and I think Jada is like the first thing that like people used to talk about Prithirajit. Like, like he thinks he's better than us. He thinks he's not like a local, <laughs> like, like he speaks English and he's always bragging about the fact that he speaks English. And so th with Prithiraj, like you, you got like directors trying to shoehorn him into like a certain kind of mold that was already set and him just like blowing that wide open and saying that like, I'm not, I, these are not the movies I want to be making. And he really like, push the boundaries of what Malayalam hero could be in that in the time that he he was making it to that superstar status. Yeah, and I remember I remember actually fairly early on thinking, why is everybody dumping all over this guy? There was a constant hammering of negativity about Prithviraj. And I was like, but he's working and he's doing solid work. And he has, about the time he was involved with his production company doing Urmi, he was doing interviews saying, so what is this, about 2010, 2011? He was doing interviews saying, you know, Malayalam cinema is terrific. We We need to get this on a platform, a wider platform, not even within India, outside of India. Like he was a guy saying this stuff already. And people were on the one hand saying, well, yes, he's right, but it's Prithviraj. So we're just going to dump on this message. But it was quite interesting to me that years before that explosion of people discovering outside of Kerala, discovering Malayalam cinema, he was already saying we're worth this and we just have to figure out how to market it. And you know, you know the part of it is like the culture, but the the negativity. There's um, we have some evidence that it was coming from within the industry, within from other players in the industry. That you know there were rumors of a certain someone we don't talk about. Uh, he was paying people to like uh, troll Pratiraj online, and and as well as uh, boo at his movies at in the theaters. This guy, this guy—I don't want to talk about this guy, but like, there, there was like, there was like so many mafia aspects to the way uh, he was running things that there's, you know, and we can see why, you know, in the 2000s when that person was uh, really like a big deal and making make some of the biggest hit movies, he would be threatened by someone who was so much younger, more good looking, taller, more talented, more edgy uh, in his outlook on the world. You could totally understand why someone like that would be threatened by it. Yeah. He is, he, he, that person is, is a representation of a certain Malayali mindset, which is extremely rooted in, in this inferiority complex and, and not wanting people who might think a little differently. So let's, I mean, since we're talking about Prithviraj, let's start by talking about Prithviraj and 
who he is and where he comes from. Yes. He comes from a family of artists. His, uh, his mom is Malika Sugmaran, uh, who is still a working actress. Uh, I think she mostly does serials now. Uh, but she, uh, she was married to his dad, uh, who is uh, Sugmaran, who was a, who is like uh, the big star of uh, the pre-Mohanlal uh, Mamuti era. It was... You know, it was Sugumaran and uh, Angie Soman were like the pre Mohanlal and Mamuti era big stars, and and uh, you know, the, both his parents had a theatrical background as well. His mom was married to Jagadish Umar before she was married to Sugumaran, yep. um, which is always interesting when you, you would see them in movies together, uh, Prithiraj or Indrajit with their <laughs> mom's first husband. <laughs> And so, the, the, you know, the, when Sugumaran died in the 90s and his, you know, his wife, he left his widowed wife and two young children. And so his mom had to, I think, made most her way uh, and paid for her kids' education and everything through CDO work because, you know, she lost this big income earner. Yeah, because she had she had retired from from films not long after Indrajit was born. So, you know, she had two kids, two small kids. It's a very typical, like, film story where, like, they, they, you know, the the guy who's the big deal dies and then the single mom is left to, uh, widowed mom is left to take care of two kids. And um, you can always, you know, see the Prithiraj is, like, um, sincerely, like, very admiring of the way his mom um, raised them like she didn't let the standard of their uh, childhoods drop because she uh, wasn't able to keep up with the income that her husband was earning and so yeah he went to to uh, some really good schools in Kerala ergo the English and and he was sent abroad like a lot of the uh, star kids that we'll see uh, to do his undergraduate degree. He was living in Australia when he was cast for Nandanam by Ranjit. Which is actually the first film I saw him in. Um, I was I was going through and making because we made a list of sort of the two first two or three films for each of the actors we're going to talk about today. Um, and I was trying to see, we're going to talk about Kanchaka and Vinit Srinivasan. And I had seen both of them for the first time in traffic. So again, like my experience is I, I have no idea with these actors because I, even, even with Nandanam, I was not watching it at the time it came out. I was watching it several years after it came out. So my experience is, is very different from yours or from someone, you know, living in Kerala at that time about an actual, I mean, it was quite fascinating for me to watch when Dulker launched because that was, I was seeing that in real time and seeing it play out. So I have no clue how this plays out for each of these three we're going to be talking about today. But the first Pertvaraj film I saw was Nandanam. And it was because, you know, the first film I ever saw was Kataparambol and the DVD guy that I went to buy from, you know, suddenly turned, looked at my little stack of DVDs because I had no clue. I was just picking out stuff and looked behind on the shelf, picked out a DVD, put this out, said, have you seen this? I said, no. He said, you have to see this. I'm giving it to you. And this was 2008, 2009, something like that. Yeah. And it was actually the first film he shot, but it was released after Stop Violence. So that must have been really interesting, too. 
And the thing that struck me about Nandanam is it's not Prithviraj's film. No, and I remember when that movie came out, everybody was talking about Navya Nair. Nobody was talking. I mean, like, they were, you know, they, what you often see in, like, Malayalam movies where it's a female lead and there's, like, some ra- uh, random new actor is, like, they, you know, they pour all the affection and like uh, adoration on the female star and and the male star really like is like that's some kid they hired and now they're, they're like uh now he's gonna go like do a little a few like b-grade films and he's gonna be done that was like the attitude and and yes because the film kind of like makes like puts a, a point on it that like this is sungumar and son like because by showing his picture as the father yeah. in the movie yes we 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 know that information but you know unlike bollywood maybe there wasn't a lot of like there wasn't a lot of respect for that fact in Mal- among the malayali audience so the, everything was about navya nair so we had no idea like prithviraj was even going to have a career at that point yeah and i think my i i adore that film quite honestly and i adore her in it and i thought okay he's likable i did think at points that she elevated his performance which i mean is totally fair because if that's his first shoot that may actually be the case i i think he did well not to be swamped and disappear under everything that was happening around him i do think that the his character manu i mean they they even say he's sensitive in the film um and he is he's sensitive and he's flirty and and there i mean that it's really questionable what he's up to in the film and they deal with it because she's a servant but i thought okay this is this is nice he's likable and then and then i watched stop violence <laughs> so you've seen stop violence i've seen it a few times and i and i actually i don't think it's a great film but i wish i could find subtitles for it because i'm i'm coming again at another huge disadvantage like i'm really interested in people's first films or their first the, the beginnings of their careers and stop violence is i don't even know where to begin First, so it was called violence when it was made they didn't care they were like going for it and then um there was a bunch of controversy and they had to change the stop violence <laughs> but it's an incredibly negative role and again you're looking at someone i, I would have expected the the nandanam kind of role from someone starting out wanting to establish a career um, and wanting to sort of set a tone for his career. But then you've got Stop Violence, and he's incredibly negative. He's, he, I mean, his, he wears a chain with 666. His name is Sat- Satan. And the female aides lead is Angelina, or they keep calling her Angel in the film. So, you know, there's, there's, this, there's this devil, angel, evil, not evil stuff going on. And his character is really violent and rapey. The whole film is really rapey. Although you don't see it. I, I, I was quite stunned by the fact, what, re-watching it again this week, that you don't actually see the violence or the rape take place. You see sort of the, what precedes it and what follows it. But that was enough to be really creepy and horrifying. And you have to remember, he was like 19 when these 19. movies were coming out. So it was just, I think people were shocked that like someone so young was going for such a dark role because there was a set set career he could have had 
uh, that Kunjaka Govan had like built up, uh, and he could have gone that route. Um, and so from there onwards, I think Prithviraj established this image. Yeah, there is something even even in these two films. You know, none of them where he's not the point, and stop violence where the character is so negative, it's unbelievable. There is something still kind of compelling about him on screen. I I, I because I watch a lot of first films. I, I kind of get a sense. I try to be nice when I see someone I that I go, yeah, no, you this is you're not going to have a career. And I would like to be proved wrong, but I'm rarely proved wrong. Like with with Malavardi Arts Club, I looked at that and I looked at the way the camera just ate Niv and Polly up. And I remember at the time saying to people, watch this kid. Look out for this kid. Watch this. And people were going, Niv and who? Can you imagine that now? Niv and who? <laughs> But, you know, to bring it back to Pritvaraj, I see the same kind of thing. I see I see the same. And, and as each with each film, it progresses a little more. The two films, Stop Violence in particular, is is sort of at one point they, they show there are a bunch of gundas watching um, Ramkopal Varma's Satya on the TV screen. And I kind of went, yeah, that's what they're trying to do here. They're trying to give us this sort of artsy look, dark, this life, and framing it with, um, oh, the filmmaker. The A.K. Sajan, who you're talking about, the director of Stop Violence? No, no, no. The director who's in Stop Violence, A.K. Uh, Lohit Das, yeah. I actually thought that was, I mean, again, I'm, I'm coming at it with subtitles, but that was sort of an interesting framing device that he's this director in, you know, the film, researching a film. And at the end, we see the poster being put up for his film based on this character. I mean, it's kind of, you know, clever. It's not brilliant, but you, you can see, I could see what this film was kind of aiming for. And I could see why someone like Prithviraj might say, okay, I'll do this role. I remember him really having to defend his choice to do that, to do uh, stop violence, because he was trying to say we, you know, just like the the, the Satya mentioned, like uh, the Satya reference. It's like he was trying to defend the vision, and I that was a constant um, theme in uh, Prithviraj's career. Is like him do doing a movie or say, making a statement and having to defend his choices to a very antagonistic industry, media, society. And um, I think he really, it's not in his personality to take the path of least resistance. And I think the fact that he chose this movie so early in his career kind of shows that. I, you know, I really do like Prithviraj as a, as, a, as a person in the industry. I don't find him very captivating on screen. I don't find him very interesting on screen, um, especially when he does romantic scenes. I find it very cringy. Like I want to pull away. Like uh, he's not—he's not a—he's not, not very warm on screen. So, um, and which is why he does all these cop roles because he—that when he does brooding cop roles is like it comes falls into his natural range yep. compared to you know someone like his brother who is a much more charismatic warm presence on screen and and uh he can do a lot more roles and we you know we we don't cringe when he does romance <laughs> well and i've all i've always said that i prefer indrajit over pritviraj and i think it's probably that's part of the reason is i just i do find him Pritvaraj I can find okay at times and I guess it's probably is the cop roles more than anything 
again, I mean, I said I liked him in Nundanum, but he wasn't the point. And maybe if he was the point, although the, 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 there, there is that scene where he's, he's, um, he, he's with um, uh, Navionaire's character and he's washing the car and the, the license plate of the car is 123 and he's like, 123. And it's code for I love you or something. And I and it was like, oh, dude. No. I always think yes, he's like, he's he's even twenty one in that movie. Like, like his character, yeah. he's like really young, um, and he, yeah, it's supposed to be really corny, which is the only reason I excuse those things in that movie. Well, and it's quite it's quite interesting too that I. I look at how at his age and I sort of I have this vision of him in my in my head is always 30. I think he always went for like even when he was like 20 he was playing dad to little kids. Um and yeah, I agree. He's always 30. <laughs> then I then I think, well, how is he not like 45 now? <laughs> but I feel that way about a, a lot of people who who have these careers and you, and you I don't realize until I really think about it how young they started. I know we're not going to talk so much about other than the acting, but I did find his choices for a directorial debut interesting. And I think it comes out of that perspective that I it was I would have expected something a little more outside the box than a straight up massy hero film starring Mohanlal. But on the other hand, if this is someone who gets a lot of flack for everything he does, one of the ways to defect flack on a directorial venture is to go for something that might be more appealing to people who might throw, you know, that flack at you. I will also say in the last five to six years, Prithviraj has become disappointingly unadventurous uh, compared to his early career. And maybe just, you know, when you're, well, as you get older, you kind of want to set, he's settled into stardom. He's become like the star that he's always like haranguing uh, Mamuti and Mohanla for becoming. Like he kind of wants to do the same kind of films because he probably has other priorities. And even his productions have, in my opinion, not been as exciting as, you know, August cinemas used to be. Well, and, and I mean, he's no longer. No, he's in not. August no, he's not. He left. I think he produces on his own, though. But that's probably a good place to start segueing maybe into Kunchaka Boban. Again, has the has the blue the blue links in his family, although a little more distant. Yes, his grandfather was uh, a producer back in the days. He's Navodaya Pachan. Um, uh, Navodaya Studios was uh, a big deal. He made Manil uh, Virinya and he made the um, 3D movie that my mom talks about from 1984, yeah. My Dear Kutichatan. So um, it, it's a big studio that made a lot of interesting movies. It's it's a very uh, interesting studio, and I don't think most people, when, when Kunjako Bobin debuted, really kind of knew I mean I think people kind of knew his grandfather but I, I don't think it was like as relevant as you know um say you know Dulkar or Fahad debuting and like people knowing who his, his actual father is compared to a grandfather. Kunjaka Babin was like a sensation <laughs> when he debuted <laughs> with I was very little but I had a teenage cousin and I was home for I was home in Kerala for the summer, and 
we watched it as a family, and then my cousin would just take the ca- uh, cassette, and like she and I would just like watch it again and again and again. And one time, my uncle came and was like, "What the hell are these girls doing? What is the going on the, with this guy that like you girls are so obsessed?" <laughs> well, and I think a little bit of that for those of us who are not from that period, we can get a little bit of taste of it with Om Shanti Oshana, where. Um, Pooja Matthew becomes obsessed with Kunchakabong to the point that she that's why she w- wants a motorcycle that's why she rides a motorcycle because he rides one in, in the first film and I'm going to be quite honest I love was it Anyati Pravil I love this film I shouldn't because I like I am the least romantic person ever but I think if I were 20 and you know, at that time and watching that film, I think I just would have, I would have been like you, I would have watched this film over and over and over and over. And I did have people on Twitter tell me that um, his and his pairing with Shalini, that they, they loved those two together and they just, and they adored him. And like, that's, this is the first time I've noticed someone who has, that that people talk about in that sort of very uh, romantic starry kind of way absolutely and you know all these guys i went through their early films as we discussed and i was like gunjaka roman is the only person who's all his early films i've seen i pretty much till 2002 2003 i think i've seen all of his films because i remember in school i was still in indian school when a lot of these movies are coming out. It was like a big discussion. Do we like Kunjaka Boban and Chalini or do we like Kunjaka Boban and Jomo better uh, as a pair? And uh, and it, like he was such a big deal. It, it's hard to describe. Like, yes, you can compare him to Shah Rukh Khan in that way. I mean, he, he but he was just so young and, and like so in, in a lot of ways felt so accessible to us. Uh, compared to like Mangal or Mamuti or like larger li- than life stars. And all his movies were like these small romantic comedies about like a young couple trying to make it, you know, whether it was with Shalini or with Jomal. Um, and then, you know, the big deal that was Niram came out and it was like, it was, it was so good. Like I, I want to know watching and being like, this is amazing. Well, and I have to admit, when I get feeling kind of low, I pull out a Kunjaka Boban film because I just know it's going to, it's, it's not going to be a big film. It's not, but it's just going to hit some little sweet spot and I'm going to smile and it's going to make me feel better. I also think he's one of, because dancing is not a forte of many leads in my my cinema, but he's one of the rare cases where he can actually, I mean, he's no, you know, not like Vijay and Tamil or, you know, you're not going to get that level of song and dance, but he's he's pretty respectable. And particularly when, when I've gone back and watched some of um, Vinit Srinivas and God bless him, and some of the things they had him doing in his early films, and it's like no, 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 no. But yeah, but so for me, like Kanchaka Boban is just like a nice little sweet spot, and yet he took a break. Yes, um, and I think that because the the pressure of being so accessible to people, of being like the nice boy, being the, you know, I think all young actors suffer from this, like their phones are getting blown up constantly by girls sending texts and uh, calls. But I think he really like uh, was constantly being barraged by the fans. And he was just, I think he was just feeling forced to like into that one 
kind of role that we love him in. And there has been a bit of a shift since, you know, since taking that break, there has been a bit of a shift in his career. There are still not necessarily full on romantic comedies, but there's still certainly comedies. There are a few buddy comedies with Bijou Menon. I, I, I love them together. But then we come sort of to the last year and he has revived his grandfather's studio to do his own production. And uh, we have to talk about when the break was. It was kind of between 2005 and 2010. So like he came back right with traffic and he came back right into the perfect time in Malayalam cinema. I mean, he's a smart man. He's He clearly knew that 2005 was not a great year for my own cinema. And it wasn't doing much for him as an actor. Yeah. And as I mentioned, I mean, the first time I saw him was in Traffic. And I think Traffic was a good film for me because because it was such a big cast. And I was, you know, I was in my learning period. Not that, not that I ever have to stop learning, but it was like suddenly I had a whole new, whole new group of actors I needed to learn about beyond Mohanal and Mamuti, who were like the first things that everybody threw at me. And I think that was a good place because I did start, I mean, it was the first time I saw Vinit Srinivasan and I started looking at his films. First time I saw Kunjaka Boban and, and I think, I think films like that happen more often in the Milam industry. And I think they are great because they give you a chance to start exploring other people and seeing, you know, I mean, that wasn't, I mean, he, he was the doctor who thought he'd killed his wife. And that's one of the reasons he was part of this drive to just, you know, deliver the, the was a heart for the transplant. So again, it's, it's more of a gray role. So you have this character who we like him and yet we don't like him. And we're sort of relieved when he gets some kind of redemption in the end. It was a much different from everything else he'd done. Yeah. And, it, you know, once again, it, it, you know, just like when Prithiraj chose to do Stop Violence so early in his career, it kind of made an emphatic point that Kunjako Bobman was coming back to be a little something different than what he had been. Uh, you know, he wasn't, I know he doesn't love the chocolate boy image, you know, typically, you know, you're, he's a man at that point who was in his thirties. He wasn't going to love that, but yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a gray role. And we, we could see that he wanted to be like expand his range and he certainly expanded his range in new gen movies and, but still holding on to that core of being like immensely likable and you know somebody who really like brightens the screen when he's on well and he took that role the role um when manju warrior came back in um how old are you which was a very negative role and it almost surprised it almost surprised me that he decided to do it but again like as you're saying if he, if he wants to shake off the young romantic hero keep his his sort of nice guy core then you've got to start taking some of these chances and I think, he, you know, with that movie coming out, I think everybody associated with that movie who was working in that movie were, were, was threatened by the guy we don't talk about and, and their careers yeah. were placed at risk. And the fact that he just, he went ahead and did it to support Manju Arir, to support Russian Andrews. I think 
it shows something that like I remember Rimaka Lingo saying something that Kunjaka uh, Boven is a Tarawari, which means that like he, I it means like he he comes from a good family, but also that like he has good values, that like he's got a strong moral center, and and that like he's a gentleman, all of those things, and and like you know you don't often hear like actresses saying like using that word because it's such a it's such a um, it's something you say to somebody younger than you. It's a, like a, such a high level of compliment you could only give to somebody younger than you because you, you think you're better than them uh, to give that compliment. So th- that is that is very much what my image of him is that like he's a complete gentleman and that he puts himself out there in a very very invisible ways, but he doesn't. Yeah, and I and I tend to be someone who really doesn't get involved in celebrity gossip, in celebrity private life. It's like that's their life. They don't but I was sort of thrilled when he and his wife had their baby. And it just it just felt like they didn't they weren't too out there with it. But you could just feel how happy they were after all the time that I mean you know, and it's none of our business. Well, I do know, well, you know, you through family, grapevine you, and like community gossip, you do, you do, they've been trying for a baby for a very long time. And um, yeah, it's so exciting that they had a baby and we're so happy for them. Yeah. I, and I think it that is because I, I just find him so likable. Like I have this list of people I would love to sit down and have tea with, and he's one of them. And and, <laughs> and I and I would like to think that he would not be very different from the impression he leaves, because I know that's not always the case. Sure, yeah, and I think part of why he kind of felt the pressure of the industry a lot is because he's probably more down to earth as a person than you know a lot of the larger than life figures we have in the industry so shall we move on to our third subject yes the very interesting mini Srinivasan. i mean the first thing we have to say is his he he um is the son of Srinivasan, and Srinivasan is the reason you are into malayalam cinema <laughs> yeah and i think this is the first of uh, of the three that has like the strongest family connection present in the industry because I just as you you know say I discovered fairly early on that you know Srinivasan was someone I needed to know about I mean he wrote the first film I ever watched um, he wrote films that are incredible classics in Malayalam cinema I, I sometimes go back and forth on him as an actor except sometimes I think well he does he just like this is the same role all the time and then I see him do something like one of the films we were sort of looking at for today Makante Achen and you just see how effortless he can be on screen so it must have been interesting for Vinny to be interested in entering the industry with a father that has that much weight in his career yeah um he his exposure to arts actually came from um, competing in opera, like the classic, uh, the Muslim folk music, to, not Muslim. It's it's a uh, it's Mapla, um, it's specifically, which is Kerala Muslims, Muslims who speak uh, Malayalam, and that's how I was exposed to him with the beautiful Kasavinde Tattamitta from um, first movie that he was in. Which, well, he wasn't in it, but he... Okay, so Kasavinda Tattamitta was, like, the song from Kilichindam Mambaram. And I think most people could, like, identify that, oh, that's Srinivasan's song. Like, we would see the credit and we'd be like, that's that's uh, Vinny Srinivasan, that's Srinivasan's son. And um, we thought 
he was going to be like a good singer and like he was going to have a good career because that's where his he had been doing in secondary school and things like that doing singing competitions yeah and i mean the first six years of his career is as a playback singer and people pointed out because when i was i was sort of looking at um marakar and the song release from marakar and my first reaction was this feels like this, not understanding the lyrics, I'm assuming it's a love song because you have two young people cavorting, but it sort of felt a mispatch between the style of the music and the grandeur of the setting. And a lot of people said to me, no, 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 this is Mapila. And this is actually very appropriate to this setting. And so now I feel like I've opened it. Somebody has opened another box for me that I have to start exploring. And I really feel out of my depth considering it. But then they pointed out too that, I mean, it's Vinit Srinivasan singing it. And he won a prize for this. And that's sort of the start of his career. So in, in, a, in a way, I mean, that's kind of a good way to start your career if your father is is this weight in the industry as a writer and an actor yeah it was really it's really fun it was really I think good for him as a way into the industry that he was he's such a good singer and his dad is not at all known for singing um and like and you know just when he uh, in um Karale Karalinda Karale from Udayananathadam he uh where he playback saying for his dad it was so fun for people he, like his voice coming out of his dad's mouth while his dad is playing this <laughs> clownish star was really really fun for people and so there was a lot of inbuilt um, affection for Vineet before he ever made his on-screen debut before he became a director his voice was was I think a source of joy for the audience and I mean it for people who who don't know him, he does very much resemble his father. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it must have been, I mean, that's going to limit the kind of roles he would have had anyway, because he's not a big hero type. And his first film, Cycle, 2008, he's a little bit older than Kanchako Bhavan and Prithviraj, because he's about 24 when he does this film, but again, already established as a, as a singer. I, I, I was quite, it was quite funny looking at his Wikipedia bio, bio to start doing some research, because playback singer is what gets listed for him. Like when it comes up, you know, with the little abbreviated bit, you know, playback singer. And, you know, it's it been interesting to see that he's really so much more than this. But Cycle... Uh, screenplay by James Albert, who also wrote Classmates. Actually, Classmates was probably the first place I actually saw Prithviraj. So again, another one of these ensemble casts that, that had me leaping off in other directions. Um, but Cycle is about these two friends, Roy and Sanju, strugglers. But it's actually a film that's got kind of a dark side because they decide to steal money from the finance company that Roy, played by Vinit Srinivasan, work at. Um, so there, there's this whole little moral dilemma going on that gets resolved by the end of the film, but not really a comedy, darker little film. Again, something that seemed a bit different from what I might have expected, even though even though you know he's not going to be you know straight up hero role or not you know romantic hero role. Yeah, I I think I found it a little surprising that he was cast in a lead role. Yes, he's, you know, he's got that um, beautiful voice, but he's no 
more handsome than his dad. And, you know, I, I was, but he doesn't have the inherent, like, talent for comedy that his dad has, the physical, uh, like, looseness. Like, he, he holds himself a little tighter than his dad does. And I think that might be the reason why he never got any of those excellent sidekick girls that, like, Ajivargis does in all his movies. Um, so it, it, would, it did surprise me that he went, he got the hero role and the lead role. And I think typically people perceived him at that time as, okay, he'll do a couple of these movies here and there. And, um, but his primary career will be a playback singer. And then he makes Malarvati Arts Club, which we all liked. And it was like, okay, this is nice. And, and he has some talent here, which makes sense because who his father is. And then he comes out with Tatatin Marayate. And like, obviously it's, once again, the entire state is like a fire with, <laughs> with like, Nivin Bali and Vinisha Nivasan and Ajuragis and like it, it's it, it it was a huge sensation. Huge sensation. Yeah, and that that I remember. That yeah. And it was and particularly too because his second film, Makante Achen, which was with his father playing his father, that was that was the point. I mean Srinivasan actually won an acting award for best supporting actor for that role. And that was where I was really struck with what you said, that Vinit, it tends to be a little stiffer. And I was sort of putting it down to, well, it's his second film. But then when you see, I know, how effortless his father is, it was like, oh. But he took a break after that. And then he didn't come back in a in acting. He came back directing and writing with Malavardi Arts Club. So I'm wondering, you know, did, did he realize that maybe... I think he's a decent actor. I think he's fine when he's sort of in a supporting role and he has such a, a likable presence that it's like in traffic. That was the thing that that really sold you because his character dies really early in the film. And he made such an impact as this very likable young guy starting his first day at work who never makes it there. And then he's on life support while they decide what they're going to do for a long stretch of this film. You needed somebody with that immense likability so you would make an an immediate connection with him and really feel for the family really feel for for this life cut short i thought that was a really again another interesting choice i think the the role i liked him in most or found him most suited for was chapa kudisha was where he was like this very beaten down character and and his like tense body language that we were talking about his that really suited his character and you know maybe a more more flexible actor like his father could do you know for certainly do that role and he could do comedy roles as well but um his like you know there was something that i found very that connected to me in his um like very you know i'm repressed and i don't i'm pushed into this role and i want to get out of it and i'm going to manipulate some somebody who has more power than me to to get what i want out of this situation that is probably my favorite role of his as an actor yeah i would agree and i think i would even go so far to say as he actually has more of an impact than fahad fazl in that film and to be able to say that is something i mean fahad fazl was playing sort of this entitled wealthy asshole jerk which he could do with his eyes closed and fortunately he fortunately he doesn't limit himself to that yeah i i i would agree with you i i think that role as that grocery clerk who finally gets a taste of 
being able to wield some power after all this oppression. I Yeah, that's a really good role. And so if he comes back and does more roles like that, I'm okay with it. But, you know, obviously his talent is as a director, as a singer. And yeah, it's crazy to go from Tata Den Marietta to then go to Tira. It was so different for him as a director. And I think people were genuinely pleased at the fact that he just didn't go do another romantic comedy or another youth film. Like his next film could have been um, the film he did. What was the, like his next film could have very easily been um, like Oduwarakan Selfie, which kind of, you know, plays on the same emotions and yeah. their tropes as as um Tata Marieta, but he went and did Tira, which was yeah, and he brought back Shobana. And the only time Shobana has ever dubbed for herself. And he asked her to do it and she did it for him. I I I believe she resisted, but she did it. Now we have to also say that that role that film also introduced a number another member of his family to the industry, his brother John. And it's it's quite funny because Again, there's a role where that that's kind of an easy entry because every the focus is all on Shobana. So, you know, you could be a tree standing next to her and you'd look good by comparison. I don't I don't remember a lot about him in that film. My impression, I'm I, I hate to say this is I don't think he's going to have the kind of career <laughs> you're smiling. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to be generous. I, I find him likable enough when he's put into one of these small sidekick roles and he's okay. But he's also trying to get into directing. He did love action drama starring Niv and Polly. I don't think he has what it takes. <laughs> With Dira, the person I was, I mean, obviously Shobana was taking up all my, like, my attention. But then the person who was like, I was kind of more interested in, in Dian was Deepak Parambo, who plays like the trafficker, I think. And, and um, you know, Vinishayamasan's cast are just littered with these immensely talented actors doing small roles and like I all like he has such a talent for finding these guys. Uh um didn't debut with his films, I don't think, but like Sharafuddin has been is is associated with that group of Niven's friends. See, and this is why I get talking about nepotism being more, I mean, nepotism does, is just, you know, using connections. But that's why I try to emphasize that there's more going on here because you have, you know, the, the whole Maharaja College group. You have, you know, these these cores of friends, like Dulker has his core of friends that he started with, that he continues to work with and, and give opportunities to when he can. Same with Vinit Srinivasan. There's these little groups that, and you know, that makes sense. If you're, if you have a group of people you're comfortable working with and that you do good work with, it only makes sense to, to keep pulling them together to do things as long as you can do things that are, you know, different, fresh, interesting, likable. Yeah, I'm uh, wondering if there is some sort of connection be- between Vinay Srinivasan and Alphonse Putran, who are like the two cores of Niven Pauli's career. The two pillars, and I, I'm like, I don't think they themselves have any connection, but like they share a lot of actors between them and talent between them. Well, and if Niven is their point of connection, then there are probably people around Niven that will want to work with Niven. That means that they, you know, get involved with both right. directors. That makes sense. So uh, that's one of the things I wanted to emphasize as we as we talk about, you know, in the next 
two, three episodes about some of these star kids is that it's not always a negative to have connections. And I really do think that if you do, particularly in the Malinam industry, if you do not have the talent, you will eventually not get the work or the work you get will not be because when when we started doing some talking about this, I, I started going and looking and that, that was the moment I discovered that Prem Nazir's son is working in the industry. I think I've heard this, but I don't remember or know who he is. <laughs> Shanavas. And I went, okay, does he have any kind of career? He does. And I, and I went and found a picture of him and went, oh God, yes, I've seen him. I've seen him in a bazillion films, but he's always in these really smaller supporting roles. So you might have a career and that's where your career would be. Um, I mean, how many policemen has he played? Right. You know, so you, you may not, you may not even get a shot at a, you know, a starring role. You may be, or you may get a shot. And if you're not good enough, you'll get, but you may be good enough to do supporting roles and that's where you'll end up. And it strikes me that in the Malinam industry, that that's more the case, that, that the people without the talent to take on the bigger jobs get shuffled and filtered down or get moved right out of the industry. Yeah. And, you know, for me, at least uh, Vinit's first few films uh, made me feel like he could be one of those side role actors like like Shami Tilligan, like a beloved face, but, you know, not somebody who does leading roles. And that would have been fine. And I mean, connections helped, but it was, if he hadn't made this uh, like phenomena that was Tata Dinwarito, he wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have the kind of career he currently does. And, you know, especially his eye for choosing actors is undefeated. <laughs> well, and he's now, he's now getting into producing as well. Um, particularly June. Yes, which was a great film, in my opinion. I think he did produce June. Helen. No, he produced Helen. I've got a girl's name wrong. Helen. Helen, which... Vinny, he got producing, got into producing and produced Helen, which was a terrific film. But his, his next directorial is... His next directorial is Pranav Mohanlal and Kalyani Priyadarshan. Oh, God. Pradam. So we're going to have a whole thing to talk about Pranav Mohanla in another episode. I have my personal like tilting at windmills about him. <laughs> well, yeah, we've both we've both mentioned it before. But I did I did see somebody say it would be really interesting to see what Vinit Srinivasan could oh, do with him. Oh, that's true. I mean, he is a much more interesting director than any of the others. I mean, not not to put down Jitu Joseph, but Clearly, he was just doing a favor to Mohanlal. But yeah, I, I have a lot of things to say too. But I'll say I'll save that for when we talk about the. Sounds film. good. We both have a lot to say about Pranav. Poor Pranav. They've been trying to make him happen for a decade. Next time we shall be discussing some of the more obvious, I think, examples of nepotism in in the industry, which is Booker Salman. Pranam Mohanlal, sons of uh, Mamuti and Mohanlal, respectively, and Fahad Fazil, the son of director Fazil, um, who actually introduced Kunjako Woman to the industry. Thanks for listening to the Poland and Empathy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, remember to come back for our next episode and share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at polandidapati at gmail.com or reach out to us on our Twitter feed at polandidapati. See you next time.